Yeah, you are. Here you go with the John Curley, Sherry Ellicker Show. Sherry out today, back tomorrow. Greg Tomlin, thanks for sitting in. Let's dive into the news. Here we go. Oh. I know still in that. Oh, hi. Ahoy to you, Sherry. Uh, Joe, find out, or maybe Kate knows, that uh, hate the hotline thing that they set up. They kicked this thing around in 2023. I don't know if it went through. It stopped for a while there. But included in there was a bias and hate crime hotline. And you could get $2,000 oh. on the Tattletale line. I don't know if that's still in there or not. We're gonna have. Uh, she she's go- gonna run back in here and answer that for us. Show me the money. Uh, if she is, she, just she don't knows. call it Katie. I was. Right, Miss, I was summoned. Miss Stone, <laughs> it, it, the I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe if you find out, I didn't put you on the spot. The uh, hotline that they're going to put in there. Does it still have the two thousand dollars for the Tattletale hotline? You know, John, you, you you. It seems like you do nothing but put me on the spot. It makes <laughs> no, 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 it makes it difficult. No, no. no, I'm trying to find out. Give me, she's give me a stalling. Second. Okay, stall okay. music, Andrew. Stall music. All right, music. here we go. Here we go. Here we Jeopardy. go. All right. All right. All right. So the legislature's adopted legislation uh, creating a statewide hate crimes hotline. Uh, it does not say. What was your question again? I, I, I whether or not they're giving you the two thousand dollars. Mm. Two thousand dollars for reporting hate crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't say anything about this in Attorney General Ferguson's press release. So it sounds like something oh, a, a no. dogged it sounds like something a dogged oh. reporter would have to track down. Ooh, I know a couple. I know. So this is scary because if this is similar to the House Bill thirteen thirty three, which uh, Ferguson loved, and he was on PBS talking about it, they were going to set up a commission, and you would have every single oppressed minority would be available on that commission. Except it's interesting. The only person who was on the commission, there were no white Christians, but everybody else is on the commission. And if they felt that you had said something on social media that looked like you were possibly being, you know, radicalized as a domestic terrorist, uh, i.e. saying something about the mask, uh, COVID, vaccines, if you had some problem with the government, the direction of the government, you would then be notified by the state that you would need to go to the commission. And then the commission would determine what type of of care you needed, um, holistic care that you would get to stop you from being radicalized. That was House Bill 1333 that Bob Ferguson, running for governor, by the way, that wanted to put it. It didn't go anywhere, but this hotline, I don't don't think this is so easily just sort of dismissed because they put this thing in last year. They kicked around the idea that you get $2,000. So if you went on social media, you could sit there and scroll through a bunch of stuff, Twitter, now X, and you'd find something on there and you say, oh, whoa, uh oh, that, that's bias. That's uh, hate crime. I'm going to report that. Then you could report that person and then the state would step in and then help save you from yourself uh and then possibly the person that reported you would get two thousand dollars you could make a whole entire career out of that so even I, if it's I, not I, an actual crime what no no what what is it you know okay like talking about that other hate crime the reason they went after asians and primarily female asians one smaller 
easier to knock down. They know they carry cash, less likely to speak. Uh, maybe English, of course, being the second language, less likely to call the police. Just an easy target. It wasn't. It was a crime of opportunity. You're gonna go. You're gonna go after some great big guy. Maybe he's carrying a gun. You're not gonna get him. It's a all crimes are opportunity crimes. You're gonna get the person least expecting. So you're gonna get the easiest target. They weren't targeting because they were Asian. They were targeting them because they were an easy mark. That's why they went after. It wasn't hate. It was just pure greed and lack of respect for another human being. But I don't think they said, oh, let's go get Asians. Let's go get those people because right. they're smaller, easier a, to get, and they carry cash. It's an opportunity, uh, a crime of opportunity as opposed oh, to yes, just beating somebody up. Right. Okay, right. but I'm, I'm reading Seattle here. City Council member Tanya Wu did say that when I actually asked her about it uh, of a few months ago when she was actually yeah. running for city council. She said the same thing you did. No, I don't think they're being targeted because of race. I think they're being targeted because they are what you just said you know easy yes. targets yeah. essentially easy targets and then the, remember when that whole asian crime thing started hate crime they were trying to drop that on trump saying oh he was calling it the you know the wuhan flu or the china flu or the kong flu flu or something so therefore he was fomenting this anger against asians and then all these asians were being attacked yeah all these uh 25 year old or 18 year old young black men that were beating up asian people were somehow motivated and were suddenly maga guys here hold my maga hat while i go over and beat up this this asian person i mean that thing made no sense but that was being pushed by the media that it was trump's fault that asians were being attacked in the city so i will say i'm reading i'm reading quickly through this bill and i'm word searching there is no mention of any type of monetary reward in this version of the bill that'll help yep that'll help that's good happy happy to help I'm just Thank over you. here wondering if I got a different set of show topics. Oh, this is, just, this is John off script. I thought we were going to be talking about how actor Bradley Cooper likes to walk around his house naked. Oh, we'll get there. That's what we're, I thought we were going to get doing. to that. We're getting to that. But when I hear this news stuff, and I'm like, oh, God, really? You Thank can't you. help yourself. Thank you for listening, Thank you, John. <laughs> of course I listen. I appreciate that. Listen? It's news and entertainment. Yeah. Listen to every single... I even listen to Nate's stupid traffic reports. Whoa. I'm not even like... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, hey, well, hey, I'm hey, not in my hey. car. I'm not in my hey. car. From Kate to Nate. We appreciate it. Uh, Nate's feelings wow. hurt. Yeah. I can tell. Uh, Why you got to bring Nate into this? Yeah. Great Nate. What you did he ever do? That, Nate. Come on. Nothing. But like, it, I can take it. I know, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, stupid in a nice way. Like I'm not yeah. even driving in a car. Aren't I dumb to be listening to Nate? That's oh, okay. what I meant. That I'm, softens okay, it a bit. Thank you. Okay. Hurry up! I got to get home to my stupid kids. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, go. Let's move on. All right, uh, moving on. So uh, Biden. And Trump. <laughs> uh, Joe Biden didn't know where the border was. Uh, he didn't go to where the problems were. Uh, uh, Trump's still down there, so they had dueling press conferences. And um, let's see, where, do we have some sound on? Yeah, okay. So Trump's oh, I don't at the care. border. Okay, here's here's Trump at the border. The United States is being overrun by the Biden migrant crime. It's a new form of uh, vicious violation to our country. It's migrant crime. We call it Biden migrant crime, but that's a little bit long. So we'll just leave it. But every time you hear, hear the term migrant crime, you know where that comes from. Allowing thousands and thousands and actually millions and millions of people to come. Could be 15 million, could be 18 million by the time he uh, gets out of office. Wow. Mm. Hyperbole Just the facts. Much. Yeah, right. <laughs>
Uh, no, but uh, this is an important issue for both parties at this juncture. Uh, you know, I just saw a recent poll from NPR and PBS that said the number one issue for voters right now is democracy. But high on the list is the border. And by and large and traditionally, voters have trusted Republicans more than Democrats. Democrats tried to win back this issue with that recent bill that was soon quashed and, you know, exploded into oblivion right. here. But now Biden's trying to own it. Do you think it's working, John? Well, let's see, because when you hear what the president has to say. I understand my predecessor's legal past today. So here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Instead of playing politics with this issue, instead of what? telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me or I'll join you in telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill. We can do it together. You know and I know. It's the toughest, most efficient, most effective border security yes. bill this country has ever seen. So instead of playing politics with the issue, why don't we just get together and get it done? <laughs> it's so silly because for like the last three years, the border is secure. The border is secure. The border is secure. And then the border's not secure, and it's Donald Trump's fault. <laughs> it's just nonsense. People know. They know this is malarkey. So February 7th, 2021, they got rid of the uh, safe third country rule, which is basically saying you leave the country that you're scared of, the first country you get to, that's where you stop. They got rid of it. Biden overturned and had executive orders, remember, 456 changes to what Trump had in place. And then the 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 doors were open and everybody came flying in. So and that thing that they were going to try to pass out of the Senate back into the House, those guys didn't want to look at it because, oh, you're allowed to have up to 5,000 or something come in. It was ridiculous. So the thing is, you could easily put this thing in place. Uh, you take care of the uh, safe third country rule, get that in. And there's a bunch of other stuff you could do. But the first thing Biden did when he got in there is everything that Trump put in place. He went the opposite because that's what you do. That's what he did right after he got elected. So now this is what you have. So Biden did not go to where the problems were. I assume they wanted to try to protect him as much as possible, not have people screaming and yelling at him. So he went to a sort of a safe spot. But it is it's a huge issue. It's very, very big. And people are you can make giant commercials out of this, especially after the last few uh, murder in Georgia. Um, You see the rampage happening in New York City, Chicago having problems. And the thing is, in certain communities where I saw a guy speak at a city council meeting in Chicago the other day, he got up and he said there are something like 12,000 illegal immigrants or 27,000 illegal immigrants you've let in here. They have, on average, three to four kids. He goes, within a certain number of generations, we will we'll be null and void. We won't even be part of the conversation. And he was laying out the numbers, explaining, if you let these people vote locally, which they are in most places or number of places, you are you're taking the money from the taxpayers and giving it to other people, kicking kids out of school so immigrants can be in the school. This is a giant issue and an easy, easy mark for Republicans. I think what we're seeing here is a dynamic of violent pendulum swinging going on yes. at the highest yes. levels of, of power here. Because for years and years, <clears throat> Trump used very harsh rhetoric against, against immigrants and did use an equivalence between the worst Uh, type of legal immigrant that comes over here and commits crimes and those who are legitimately fleeing persecution or just trying to get to America for a better life. And uh, every, you know, red blooded American should sympathize with people who want to come and live in the last best hope of Earth. But but again, so Trump was very harsh on the border issue for so long. Uh, Biden clearly
clearly hated his rhetoric, hate the way he spoke about the issue. And yes, I agree with you. The result of Biden uh, ascending to power was he softened up tremendously on the border, not just in rhetoric, but in policy and enforcement. So where you had kind of a tightening of the border that was starting, then the floodgates opened, so-called. And it's no coincidence that both of them are down there right now in this election year. And Biden has finally awakened to this fact that, you know what, actually, (laughs) the pendulum swung a little bit too far in that other direction. But, John, I was all in favor of that uh, legislation that I guess in some ways is still on the table. New bars to asylum eligibility. Uh, The bill had new emergency authorities to shut down the border when the border was overrun. Is it perfect? No, but it was a start. And it was bipartisan and is bipartisan. And I just think in this regard, something is better than nothing. And the cynical view is... Well, we need to kill this thing until Trump potentially wins in November and then Republicans can spike the football with a win on this immigration issue that's affecting, you know, countless Americans. Right. Just get something done right now. I I mean, I think of I don't know what the quote was from Harry Truman, perhaps. Um, It's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. We care far too much about who gets the credit and which team gets the accolades for solving a problem. I I just think one of the ways we get on the road to healing here is people just go, hey, there's a problem. Let's work together and fix this frickin thing. You're way over here on this side. I'm way over here on this side. Let's start to move towards that mushy center and try Mm -hmm. to put a solution on the table. But that's not the way government is functioning right now. Well, listen, when you vilify your opponent to the point that anything, anything that you're that's even close to what your opponent might have done or may have done, if you even get anywhere near it, that's why the pendulum swings so wildly. Mm-hmm. If you remember the Democratic debate when they were all up on stage, and I think somebody was asked, you know, raise your hand, that whole thing, raise your hand if you think illegal immigrants should or you think basically no border let everybody in and the other question was raise your hand if you're okay with giving everybody that comes across the border uh health care medical benefits medical benefits and they're all like looking they're looking at each other like uh, a 50-inch tv right they're like they're all raising their hand because they don't they knew that the the images of oh the people that were in the the cages and they were putting kids in cages and you had aoc uh, was crying uh, down there crying down there right so it's like we what do we do we'll just make sure that we're the complete opposite of anything Mm -hmm. The antithesis of Trump. Mm-hmm. So yes, let them in. Yes, give them health care. Right. Yes, you know whatever. Yes, cast them in all movies. You know. <laughs> yes, give them po- give them all podcasts. So whatever it was, it was the opposite. So that's why you get those swings back and forth. So uh, Biden goes down there. I don't think he necessarily accomplishes anything, but it does make the news for a little while, and it makes it look like you know he's going to. Take charge. He's, he's, he's taking charge. The buck stops with me now. <laughs> yeah, right. And the ridiculous story of Joe Biden's health and the doctors say, oh, he's perfectly fine. And then this ridiculous thing, they get into this all the time, talking about, <laughs> was, was this, um, who was that came up with this thing? Oh, a push-up contest. Haley's hope has to be that she can present herself well as an alternative to Trump so that the convention can accept her should either Trump have a health problem, which he's certainly just as likely as a Biden to have, if not more. I mean, he's... I bet I'll bet you anything that Joe Biden could beat the daylights out of Trump in a in a push-up contest, for example. And Trump knows it too. Although if it was a cheeseburger eating contest, it might turn out differently. Oh lord, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Do you honestly expect any doctor to come back and say after a president's physical? 
they're unfit to serve, actually. Didn't see that coming, but uh, they failed a clean bill of health. And uh, American people, you should pay attention. It's it, it, so like... Did you? It slowly erodes. It's it, it insults. It's the intellect it, of the American people. It's a and farce. But presidents have been doing this forever. Uh, at least hiding the extent of their health issues. I mean, I think back right. to FDR, who yes, the American people knew he had polio, but they didn't know the extent and how bad it was. JFK, when he was shot in that motorcade, had a brace in his back. It's one of the oh, yeah, reasons yeah. that he was killed is because after that first shot, he couldn't lean over because the brace was still holding him up. And then he took mm-hmm. that uh, shot to the back of the head. Um, and so it's yeah. like Chairman Mao. OK, I'll test your knowledge of history. You ready? <laughs> I think he had. I, I am suppressed. I am suppressed. I am really impressed with uh, your knowledge. It is broad. Oh, deep. Ready? Some sure. fun music. Real. Then we'll do this. We'll take a break. We'll come back and no, no, no. I give you a chance. Yeah, to I'm check googling on. Mao really fun? quick. No, 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 no. He Four minutes. Cheat. Let's let's come back. July 1966. <laughs> what did Chairman Mao do to prove that he was vigorous and strong and ready to reunite uh, the people of China after the Great Leap Forward that failed so poorly? Was, what was did he, he do? the guy who had like 18 hole in ones? <laughs> no, that was Kim <laughs> Jong Il. That was Eisenhower. <laughs> I just know that Mao had like a thousand STDs. That's the one thing I know about Mao. You tell me, John. What did he do to show? <laughs> what did he do he to show that he was vigorous? He swam and- nine miles in one hour. That's not real. That is not real. I'm channeling that lady on the plane. All right, uh, let's go to uh, Nate. Joe <laughs> <laughs> got it. Very- I did, by the way. I remember that's the woman, the, the fake person in the background. That right? is not real. <laughs> That. You know, don't forget about Bucky's. I don't know about you, Greg, but you want to take your car to Bucky's Bucky's Auto Service Centers. The 16 locations has been around for 53 years. The birthday's coming up in March, by the way, Andrew. It's Bucky's Bucky's Auto Service Centers. All right, well, we celebrate, sh- John. How are we going to celebrate? Uh, we're going to drop the tranny. He's going to make <laughs> some pasta in the shower. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. By the way, later on, uh, Bradley Cooper defends the fact that he showers with his kid. But first, <laughs> uh, that's a segue. Shot, shot spotter. <laughs> I tried to segue earlier. We're talking about I'm eating a little more pasta in the shower before you just sort of throw that out there and move on. Roll with that, it. that sounds very bad. Okay. Uh, shot spotter is a technology that when a shot from a gun goes off, it is able to uh, triangulate where it's coming from, and then within 60 seconds, say it came from this place. It's within, you know, feet of where the shot possibly could have been fired. Uh, you pay for it, I know, on a monthly basis. I think there's a bunch of cities that have these things in place. It's So the idea is that police can respond quickly to where the shots are fired. That's basically the idea. In theory. And in theory, right. There's a lot of other problems because it can ricochet off of something else. The car backfires. False alarms, um, yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they're thinking about doing this in Seattle, the mayor says. This is well, a far-reaching technology, and it does have the potential for abuse, but Seattle police say accountability measures will be in place, and they will only use it to detect and deter crime. Jihan Kim, the owner of Asian Ginger Teriyaki, takes pride in serving authentic food to customers, but says her spot in Pioneer Square also has its problems. I don't want to stay here till like, later than 5. Yeah, I go home before 5. I don't feel safe. To help reduce crime, especially gun violence, police want to purchase a network of cameras oh, that are integrated violence. with a gunfire detection system. 
which will be set up in neighborhoods that are known hotspots for trouble. The proposal was strongly denounced during a public hearing. I'm highly concerned that this technology will be solely used to further persecute, harass, and mistreat the poor and marginalized. Police are. Let me just say something to you, ma'am. I know you know how to respond during a uh, public comment. The people that are being shot and killed are the people that you say are being oppressed or being marginalized. If you didn't, if you really believe that this is a race, racist, oppressive system, there would be no response. We wouldn't send police. We wouldn't send ambulances. We wouldn't care. But what they're doing is they're saying, we know where the problems are, and we know that we want to get in there and help. If they really didn't care and they thought that you thought they were so racist, systemic racism running through this whole thing and the cops are out there to abuse everybody, they wouldn't respond. They wouldn't drive quickly. They wouldn't get reports. They wouldn't want to solve the problem. They wouldn't want to find the person that shot and killed the loved one of the individual who's standing there crying over the dead body. More proposing nonsense. a one-year pilot and then studying the data to see if the technology deters crime and improves response times. Kim says cameras provided key evidence when a Korean couple was shot in downtown Seattle as they sat in a car. Luckily, it was in front of the storefront and they had a CCTV and they were able to arrest the guy. Others say Seattle police have abused the tools they already have and fear this technology will also be misused. It feels like instead of addressing these issues, we've instead addressed everyone as a potential criminal and now are watching them every move. At this point, the city council has already authorized $1.8 million to purchase an integrated system, seeing it as one more way to improve public safety while efforts continue to hire more police officers. I could be the victim and I want to be protected. Now, as far as a timeline, police hope to select a company to purchase this probably by the springtime. And then they say they hope to have it deployed out on the streets and in the neighborhoods, maybe by late summer or early fall. Reporting sure. live, Joel Marino, Cuomo <clears throat> News. Thanks, Joel. You already are a victim of some respects that you have to get out of there and get home before five o'clock, right? Always <laughs> like, I got to get out of here and help feel safe. So she wraps things up so she can hurry home because she doesn't want to get attacked. So, you know, you already yeah. you've changed your how you behave because at 5 o'clock, get off the streets. You need to get to go and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. In a yellow school bus. <laughs> but in terms uh, of whether or not cities are going to implement this technology, I think they need to go through a robust cost-benefit analysis because oh, yeah. if this is being uh, advertised as something that's going to deter or curb crime ultimately, however beautiful the strategy, one should occasionally look at the results. And there are some cities around the country that have had ShotSpotter in place and yeah. some of them are ending contracts with this company, including Chicago, Portland, and San Antonio. Since 2018, Chicago has spent $49 million on this technology. And there's full of anecdotes. Uh, you know, both sides are full of anecdotes saying, well, in this case, cops were able to get to the scene on time and locate a perpetrator of a shooting. Other times there was a false alarm. But anecdotes are not data. And I, in any of these stories that I've read about this technology – 
I don't know if you're getting the return on investment that's promised with this. What, what's your take, John? I, I would think that what happens is the mayor of any city, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, they always show progress by spending money. We're going to buy this right. program. We're going to get this thing in place. and It's going to help. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, that just takes it off their table for a little while as they write the check. And then oh, we have it in place. And But you're right. If you look at the numbers on the thing, this would be hard to sell this. If you were a salesperson, you had to go in and sell this. If you had somebody smart looking at the number, wait, wait, okay, so how many homicides? How many times report? How many Mm -hmm. people respond? Mm -hmm. You can look at the hard numbers. They don't really have a very good track record on this. And here's some people saying they don't like it. SPD and Bruce Harrell are asking us to throw millions into invasive technology that does not keep people safe. If we procure this software, we cannot control the data. I do not want police and artificial intelligence systems to listen to or watch my family as we go about our lives. Well, so this issue, it seems like it's making for strange bedfellows here because there's one side of the coin here of of people saying, well, you're not getting a return on investment. It doesn't really serve to deter crime. And so pumping more millions of dollars into this is not a good uh, use of taxpayer money. And then you have people on the same side of that coin saying, well, uh, this is bad because it's going to uh, affect black and brown people and it's racist. and It's wrong. here. You see what I'm saying, John? Yeah. 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 Well, here's somebody that Joe put in here. Uh, not afraid of the tech, uh, tech but uh, I'm not a criminal. I have nothing to fear from technology that helps identify and apprehend and convict criminals. Why? I am not a criminal. Hey, okay. Here's the problem that they have as well. In Chicago, for instance, 85% of the time, uh, nobody reports shots fired. Because it's such a commonplace thing. It's like, what does it matter? And when the police do show up, they have a difficult time getting any witnesses to tell them anything because they don't want to get snitched and they don't want to get shot. So nobody tells them. They can't get any leads on any of this. Did anybody see anything? Did anybody know anything? Do you know what's going on? Anything? Well, listen to the no. statement from the CEO of ShotSpotter uh, that created this technology. Quote, the most important measure of ShotSpotter's values in lives saved. In the time that it has been deployed in Chicago, ShotSpotter has led police to locate hundreds of gunshot wound victims where there was no 911 call. Don't right. you don't you think gang violence in that case? Like, if, if you don't want to get the authorities involved after a shooting, even if you're the one who've, who's been shot, it's usually uh, some kind of cross-gang issue going on there. Why don't you think those sure. calls are being, uh, you know, dialed in? Oh, that's really sad. So somebody gets shot, everybody runs away, the person's laying there on the street with a bullet hole in them, and no one does anything, so they die from lack of attention at uh, or speedy care. Well, if so there's really, crossfire, they're afraid to file a report, because if somebody right. else happened to catch a bullet, they don't know. They don't know who who got hit. They're just like... Or they yeah. could have been the ones that fired first, exactly. and then they yeah. got shot, and yeah. they don't <laughs> want to be uh, entered into the legal system over this thing. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, seems, seems dubious at best. I don't know if yeah, it's worth a major I, I, investment. Well, hey, we spent the money on this. I, 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 if I were in charge, I wouldn't be spending the money on it. Would you? There's other you vote yes? more yeah, vote yes fundamental no? issues, I think, that can be addressed before oh. millions and millions more go towards this. Thank you for that.
When my wife heard that Bradley Cooper walks around the house nude all the time, she's like, let's move there. I think he's right out of uh, near New Hope, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's this beautiful farmhouse there, and uh, he was on a podcast talking about the fact that he hardly wears his clothes. Uh, he's uh, walk around naked all the time. This is no big deal. It was 28-year-old model girlfriend. She walks around naked all the time, too. And then I guess at some point <laughs> he mentioned that um, they've got a... Oh, they all do? I think so, and yeah. Then, and then he talked about his... Is he, does he shower with his kid, and that's what's made this story? He, okay, so for some reason in the beginning, at the beginning of this story, they're talking about having conversations with their kid. The kid would be pooping while the dad was showering. And then Bradley says, oh, yeah, this is Dak Shepard talking. And then Bradley goes on to say that, yes, we walk around my house naked. Everybody does, and it's no big deal. It was that way in my with my parents, and I used to shower with my dad all the time as a kid. Oh, okay. Oh, I find okay. these kinds of discussions about the familial norms to be endlessly fascinating. Right. Because when my wife and I got married, you know, the first thing you realize is, oh, we've come from completely different <laughs> yes. traditions. And so not just with the laundry, but right. about like how comfortable. John, do you have this discussion about how much mystery you want to maintain within the relationship? Like, I don't want doors open when I'm doing my business or my wife's doing oh, her yeah. business on this. I want it closed. I want it shut off. It, it, oh, so, yeah. so on and so forth. So with our kids, my wife and I go back and forth about like are we comfortable what age is like the cutoff to where your kids should be able to see you naked <laughs> some people like bradley cooper it appears like his dad was walking around naked all the time in mm -hmm. his youth i find that bizarre but maybe so my dad right. was as well he would always come out of the bedroom in the middle of the night i'd be up watching tv and here come naked dad just walking seriously to, the kitchen to get ice cream yeah. but see now that's made an imprint on your mind i my parents were never naked around me to the best of my memory i never saw either of them naked and i reflect upon that time and i think I don't think I missed out on anything. <laughs> like, no, I'm not like, oh, either. darn, I, I didn't see them. No, but I really it, but I think it, had it, my it, childhood robbed. It takes away a little bit. Like, it's it, it makes it more normal. And I, okay. I think nudity ought to be way more normal than it is in this country. You know what I mean? I, I feel I like think it, the, there's something the closest to, that. to seeing my The closest to seeing my father naked was when he would loosen his tie <laughs> after returning home from IBM. And you had to uh, about it. avert your eyes. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I see a chest hair. <laughs> Okay, but so our youngest son, he was like five, and I remember walking into our bedroom, and my my wife, it was, you know, she was naked. She was naked, and okay. I and I said, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "This is wholly inappropriate," and she was like, "He's not going to remember any of this. It's no big deal whatsoever." And I maybe I felt territorial. I don't know. But <laughs> it was just extremely awkward. So I think five is maybe the cutoff for me. And I don't want to. I don't. I'm. I'm not exactly like a specimen of fitness and. <laughs> and beauty. Don't look so shocked, John. Jeez. But but don't you think my because, kids don't need to see this flap? Is do, what I'm saying. Don't you think because it's so taboo and like it's it's such like a weird thing that like okay, it, that like yes. over sexualizes to it your in a weird point, way? Joe. No. Okay, there are some European cultures that introduce alcohol at a very early age. Right. With yeah, like 13 years old, have half a beer or something like that. And then so when you go out into the world, you don't overdose right, on alcohol right. because it's been forbidden fruit for so exactly. long. So to your right. point, I understand what you're saying to a degree because 
yeah, the first time I was exposed to nudity, it was like, I have no idea how to process this. Right. I haven't been around right. it forever, and there's a bosom, and right. I'm freaking right. out. Yeah. I don't know how to handle this, and it seems dirty slash evil, because, right. so maybe there's a healthy middle ground here. I think well, so. It is, it's all culturally, it's all cultural, right? I mean, if you go to, we were in France, and Nice, and it's a top, everybody's just walking around, yeah. you know, no tops on. No Heard deal. it, move on. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, you know what, and you could play that at the beginning of every time I start to say three words, you could play that. I hear there's some balcony in Italy where people are just doing all kinds of weird stuff, huh? Some balcony. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Huh? Some cool story. Wow, that's <laughs> I told that story, and Nick, Nick, Nick's like, God, why'd you have to tell him the race? Listen, nobody's got it. Who cares, right? <laughs> <laughs> Two days later, we're having lunch over at Logan's. This guy walks by and goes, hey, heard about you guys. Nude on the balcony. <laughs> giving Southern giving accent. Nick the weird eyes. Like, heard about you naked on the balcony. Yeah. 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 Well, mm-hmm. well. Oh, Bradley Cooper nude. Woo. How much did that auction guy? I know we didn't talk about it, but you you auctioned off. Oh, dinner fly with to Bra- Philadelphia, have dinner with Bradley Cooper, and go to the Sixers game. Uh, Seventy five thousand dollars. What the Sixers game? Holy too? cow! Flights, everything. How much for dinner with Bradley Cooper nude? <laughs> well, we just assume he's going to be nude. Oh, yeah, right, that's right, a good right. point. Oh, with your dad eating ice cream. I myself that every day. <laughs> okay.